17. If you'll follow along. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also with him, shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, be forbearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This is a a classic example of Paul's writings to believers, in this case, at the church at Colossae. And throughout it, he reminds them of their or our responsibilities He tells them in verse 1 that they are to seek the things which are above. In verse 2, set their affections on things above. In verse 5, put to death the things that have ruled our life. And he then goes in, in verse 8, and he said, these are things I want you to put off. And he starts listing things, and, and all these things that he's dealing with, aren't specifically dealing with just one person, but it's how we fit in with other people. And then in verse 12, he said, I want you to put on these bowels of mercy. And all of these are in the context of dealing with other people. To be merciful to other people and kind and have a humbleness of mind 
and manifest meekness and be long-suffering with others, forbearing one another and forgiving one another in the same manner that Christ forgave us and put on charity and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. All of these things are are as we are connecting with others. And it's important for us to, to understand what Paul is taking for granted as a normal, natural part of life. But we back up to the very beginning. We were all made in the image of God, and God is a relationship. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They live in perfect harmony. We're not going to go into the details, and our minds can't comprehend it, but they are three in one. They are one, and yet they are three distinctly different, and they live in harmony and unity and love. And the Bible tells us that we are made in the image of God. So we are made, we are hardwired to have relationships. We were made to have have relationships. Even the most socially backward desire certain relationships. It's how we as human beings were created. We are designed. That's the design of God. We are designed in His image. Um, it involves relationships. And Paul takes that for granted in his writing here to um, the believers at Colossae. The reality is, as much as we as human beings were designed for relationships and we long to connect because that's what we were made for with sin that entered into the world, this longing for relationships is corrupted. It's hard, it's difficult, and it is very, very messy. Sin makes everything a problem. And because of sin, we find it hard to communicate. We are selfish in our relationships with others. There are misunderstandings, there are hurts, there are offenses, there are bitternesses and angers and, and injustices, and, and we could just go on and on and on and list all these major disappointments. And often because we look to a relationship to fulfill what only God can fulfill, but at the same time, God designed us to have relationships. So here's kind of the the um, mathematical equation, if if you please. 
There is God's design plus reality. The reality is we are made to have relationships, but relationships don't just happen. And even the best relationships have problems because of sin. And you take God's design, I desire relationships, but the reality, there's sin, there's problems. I say something, they misunderstand it, I didn't say it right. They bring in their baggage, I bring in my baggage. There's all this mess And that creates tension. The tension, I want a relationship on the one hand, and on the other, I don't. Why? Because meaningful relationships require work. They require sacrifice. They require humility. They require selflessness. Yeah, it's not worth it. We desire to be loved. And to love, we desire to be loved by another person, but in getting involved in a relationship, it exposes our self-centeredness. So then we tend to run from relationships. Again, don't raise your hand. But how many of you have ever wished, I wish... I'd never been married. I wish I never had kids. I wish I didn't have a family to deal with. I wish I'd never been born. You know what? Those are, those are real thoughts that people come to say because of the tension that there is. I want a relationship, but oh, it's, it's ugly. They didn't tell me this is what was involved in a family. They didn't tell me this is what is involved in a church. This is, and you know people, and maybe at times we embrace it that I'm just sick of all people. But at the same time, God has made us to desire relationships. You've heard the saying. Sometimes it's women saying to women. More often it's men saying to men. Talking about the opposite sex. You can't live with them and you can't live without them. Pretty quiet in here this morning, isn't it? (laughs) This is the reality of what we're talking about. You know, we all have this dream that you'll get married, there'll never be a conflict, you'll have these little angels, and they'll just do what you want them to do until they go out into the world and make you so proud and come back and bow down and say, you are the best parents in the world, you are the best grandparents in the world, and you have all this dream. It doesn't happen that way, right? You know that. And... Yet we say, okay, God, there's all this tension. There's all this 
mess that we have. And God uses that tension or desires to use that tension to show us that we can't handle life alone, that we need Christ. And I want you to, I want you to, to stay with me in this. Salvation, um, salvation is understanding that not only for eternity, but in this life, I can't handle this alone. And I need Christ because I've had evil thoughts about others and, and I have sin and it needs to be dealt with. And the tension in life can be used of God to bring us to salvation. Hold on. Some of you are already saying, I'm already saved, but I still have all this tension. God's, God's original is to show us that we need him. And he still has further purposes for us. But originally... Let's, let's illustrate it here. Carson, would you come up here? Well, just a minute. Just wait right there. I'll, I'll let me illustrate this, okay? Here I am in the world, and I'm dealing with Carson and Slade and Andrew. And you know, as, as much as, as, in our lives, they represent. We want to have a relationship, but you know what? Any relationship, and I have all these, I have people I work with, and people in my neighborhood, and people that I go to church with, all these people here are representing people in our lives. But you know what? There's some you just don't connect with, right? And some you think you do connect with, and then you find out how really weird they are. Andrew nods his head right there, yeah. (laughs) And so, in fact, there's times, if we'll admit it, it wasn't Slade's fault, our relationship. It was my fault. And it's like, oh, man, I was wrong in that. Seldom do we admit it to the people that we were wrong with. But you end up a broken relationship here and a mediocre relationship here and a broken relationship here. And I don't even want relationships there. And the weight of all this comes on to us. And we despair, really, for life. And then we hear, I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. They don't love me. Jesus loves me. Don't raise your hand again. But how many have thought, nobody loves me in this world? 
And when you come to the realization, Jesus loves me, it makes a profound difference in your world. And you say, Lord, I do need your forgiveness. I, I violated, I sinned against others, and I've sinned against you, and I do need your forgiveness. And what a joy it is to have Jesus' forgiveness and to bask in his love and to know that he has forgiven me. A Bible term that he uses is that we are adopted into God's family. Joe, would you come up here? I'm going to let Joe represent God, okay? Here I am, and the reality of life has produced all this tension, and I come to realize Man, I cannot run life. I need God. And and I come and I seek his forgiveness and I'm adopted into God's family and I'm a child of the king. Yes, I'm a child of the king. But then the king says, "Hey, I want to introduce you to the rest of my family. And he introduces me to the other children of God. How is that different than that? I want to just be the child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Yeah, I'm a child of... Okay, and then the king takes me and says, let me introduce you to these siblings here that are yours. Yeah. And he starts introducing, and I think, you mean I am called to have relationships? Ew, can I get away from this relationship thing? No. We want to stop here. I'm a child of the king. It's just Jesus and me. And God says, any person that is adopted into his family, that's what salvation is, we're adopted into his family, and then we are to love as he loved us. So we're brought to this relationship. So, um, let, me, let me just come back and, and illustrate here. Carson, now come up here, okay? He's going to represent he's going to represent the tension in life that we have. Okay, you come right over here. Christ the tension in life can bring us to Christ. Most people it doesn't. Sad to say, most people it doesn't bring them to Christ. They go through life causing tension. They thrive on tension. You know, drama queens, they love the tension of life. Drama kings, I'm sorry, that's not queens, okay? They thrive in the tension. Some, the tension gets too much. They say, I'm just checking out. And they check out mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. But life will not work without Christ. It cannot, it will not, God never intended it to work. Without Christ, because tension is the result of our sin. We were designed to have fellowship with God. Sin came in, it causes tension. The only 
solution is Christ. And when we come to receive Christ as Savior, Slade, do you want to come up here and hold this up for me? All right, thank you. When, when, we're, when we come to Christ, we're a child of the King, but we're brought into God's family. And it's like, oh my, look around. There's some weird people in God's family, amen? Just look right here, all right? So, how is this any different than this? Stephen, you want to come right up here? Whatever God calls us to, he gives us his grace. So, I am a child of God. I have a desire for relationships. But there's a part of me that says no, and and I think, Oh, a desire for relationships with other Christians? This should be better. But you get in and find out, "Ah, I guess it's not so much better. And that's why Paul said, put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy for God's family, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. I can't do that. Absolutely right. Where you need God's grace. Where you say, God, I can't love my wife the way I ought to. I need your grace. God, there's days I want to strangle my kids. Not just when they're little either, all right? (laughs) I need your grace. There are people that, that just rub me the wrong way. God, I need your grace. And this is all this is all by God's design. He designed us to have relationship. And he says, now when you become a member of my family and you start appropriating my grace, then God gets great glory. They will know we are Christians by our love. How do you put up with that guy? It's by God's grace. And God has given me a genuine love. See, when we get God's grace that makes us the husband we ought to be, the wife we ought to be, God gets glory in that. How do you overcome evil with good? It's by the empowering of God in my life. That's what grace is. Grace doesn't just bring us into God's family. Grace is what must help us to put on humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another. From our perspective, being involved with people is messy and time-consuming and frustrating and complicated and inefficient and impossible. But from God's perspective, it's the best way to purify, to grow, to bring change, and to glorify the Father by the power of the gospel. You understand the Christian life is both Individual and corporate. 
one without the other is, is insufficient. So, we have people, the tension of life brings them to Christ. They're a child of God, but they say, I don't, I'm a child of God. It's me and God. And I don't mind them a little bit. But no, I'm not. And they don't get the grace of God, and there is no glory. You understand Today, the average viewpoint of Christianity today in in our nation is very, very low. Why? Because we've never gotten God's grace to learn how to love one another, let alone to love others. And our relationships are just as bad as the world. And we say, oh, no. I mean, every day I hear on the news somebody shot and killed someone. I haven't shot and killed anyone. I'm just kidding when I say, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to kill you. I'm just kidding. But God says if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you've committed murder. Well, I have a cause. He's an idiot, and he knows it, and I know it, and everybody else knows it. No. Where is God's grace in this? And and all this all this relationship stuff. It is. They're messy, they're time consuming, they're unfulfilling in and of ourselves. But this is God's design. He designed us to live together. And get God's grace and minister in it. I mean, isn't it amazing? You look at all the other creation. I mean, the cow has a calf. The calf is around it for a few months and then it's gone. The other cow doesn't even know it's its kid. You know what I mean? It's not a kid. It's a calf. Okay, I know. Doesn't even know it's its offspring. Everything else is but us because we're made in the image of God and we were made to have relationship. But there's tension there. I want a relationship, but I don't want a relationship. I want a relationship, but oh. And that's where God must come into these. See, this this is hard. I mean, this is... I'm preaching to myself here because there's a lot of time. Fine, I'm done with you. Where is the glory to God in that? Where is the grace of God? And so I ask you today, I don't even need to ask, is there tension in your life? You can sit down, thank you. There is. If you're alive, there is tension in your life because because. The rest of the world doesn't acknowledge you are God and do whatever you want. Right? In fact, nobody does. But I ask this. Has that tension brought you to Christ where you could know the love of God? Has it brought you to say, God, I cannot run my life. I am not God. I need Christ and his forgiveness. And then, 
You may be seated. Thank you. Then as it brought you to Christ, have you embraced God's family? Have you said, you know what? I'm, I am God's called me to love my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just me and God. Especially those of the household of faith we are to do good to. To all men, but especially the household of faith. And the only reason you can do that is if you keep getting God's grace. And this is what you read Ephesians, you read Philippians, you read Colossians, you read First Thessalonians, you read Paul's letters, and he's always talking about God's family and loving. And he's saying, put off that old nature that wants to be just me and me alone and put on forbearance and humbleness of mind. You can be seated. Thank you. Put on the grace of God. As God loved you, so you love others. You may be seated. Thank you. So the question is, where are we in this? You know, it's only going to be in heaven where there is no tension. But in this life, he promises to give us God's grace. We can't make others do right, but we can do right. And that's all we answer for. And God will be glorified in that. Can you imagine what it would be like to, to have a group of people that, that understood this and practiced it and put in I am getting God's grace and I am going to respond. God designed us that we are better when we live together, when we understand that we need each other. As isolated individuals, we cannot reach the level of maturity that God designed for us. It only happens when we live in a dependent, redemptive community where we celebrate the many aspects of God's grace. Redwood trees are the largest trees in our nation. You would think they would have huge, huge network of roots that would go deep. The, the roots of a redwood tree are shallow, but they are interwoven together with the other redwood trees in the forest where they are, which gives them the strength to withstand gale force winds. As Christians, God designed us to be intertwined together. And through that strength to show forth the glory of God. Every one of us today have a responsibility with this truth that we've heard. Paul, it, it's no different. In Paul's day, he was writing to the church at Colossae and he said, put on these things. Why? The reality was there was tension. Why do I need to be long-suffering? Because there's tension. Well, I can't be long-suffering. With God's grace, you can be long-suffering 
and you can minister to the family. And as you do, God is glorified. We are unified by our common weaknesses, our common failures, our common disappointments, our common Savior, and our common grace. And that's what should make all the difference in the world. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make personal these truths today. I pray that we would understand your design that we are made for relationships. And to understand relationships will be messy and create tension and And yet, Lord, I pray that, first of all, it would bring us to Christ. I would pray if there's any individuals here today who have never come to receive the love of you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray today that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of their sins. Then, Lord, I pray that You would help believers here today to appropriate your grace, to acknowledge our dependence on you, and Lord, that we would embrace our responsibilities to one another, to love as you've loved us, and Lord, that you would be glorified as Husbands love their wives as you loved us, as wives respect their husbands as you designed the church to, as parents love children in a supernatural love and as children love parents, and as we love the unlovely and overcome evil with good, that you and your glory would be seen. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today as a believer. You say, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a follower of Christ. But God has challenged me this morning in relationship to loving others, appropriating His grace and God's glory. And you'd say, Pastor, I wish you'd remember me in prayer that God truly would be glorified in me and the relationships I have. Would you just slip up your hands that we could pray for you? Amen. Amen. You're here today and you'd say, I have never responded to Christ's love to me. I have never accepted his love personally for the forgiveness of my sins, I wish you'd remember me in prayer. I'm concerned about that. Are there any? While we wait just a moment, just slip up your hand and put it down. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. That whatever situations you bring into our life, that it's accompanied by your grace. That we can do what is right. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to appropriate your grace, that you would be glorified. Lord, you know the specific situations that 
these that raise their hand may be facing even today. I pray that they would know your empowerment to do that which would glorify you and bring joy to their heart. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.